What is going on, everybody? Welcome into Anti Up. I'm Howard Bender, and yep, that's right. Adam Ronis still away on vacation, so the red carpet is still rolled out here as we bring in some of the most amazing guests that you've gotten a chance to uh, to catch up with so far here this week. Today, I give you one of Fantasy Alarm's absolute finest um, baseball football it doesn't matter he's a jack of all trades um and he is the master of the player profile uh for all draft guide work here you can find him on the old twitter machine at colby r conway sound it out and spells the same way uh ladies and gentlemen colby conway colby what's up brother man thanks so much for coming in absolutely happy to fill in for um adam while he's on vacation and you know for me don't take vacation too often, live right near the beach. So I have it pretty lucky down here on the coast. Yeah, that's always, always nice to be on the coast. Um, it's the same thing for me as well. Um, I'm, I'm also a workaholic like you. I mean, you, you've already you've already brought us like a couple of player profiles already um, that I absolutely love. What I got, I got Jalen Hurts. I got Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, what was the third one that just got delivered this morning? I believe it was, it was, well, I think I said two today. I think one was AJ Brown. One's Michael Thomas. I just finished up Cole Komet earlier and Kyle Pitt should be in, in the next couple of days as well. Um, and there's a couple other in the hopper too, that I'm waiting to record. Um, so those will be in shortly as well. Love it. I love it. So when, when you pick your, when you pick your, your players that you want to talk about, um, and, and you decide, like, is there, is there a specific order you like? Does something just kind of come to you? Um, because you are a little bit, I mean, that's, this is all over the place here. When you talk about a superstar like AJ Brown and then a potential up and comer like Cole Komet. Yeah, it's, it's always easiest to talk about the players that you either really, really like, or you absolutely have a disdain for. So whichever way I have a strong stance, those are the ones I lean to first. And then Honestly, to be selfish, if there's guys that I'm kind of torn on, I'll use the profiles as a chance to dive deeper in and kind of see if it can sway my mind one way or the other. And I can tell you, one of the profiles I've already submitted, I had a complete 180 um, on a particular player. So you'll have to see which profile that will be. Um, But I went from completely out to I haven't left any of my past four or five drafts over on underdog without him in the second round. So complete 180. I appreciate the tease and all, but no, I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't be patient like that. I need to know who it is. Oh, it's, it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I, I did a complete 180 on him. Um, I talk to me. Tell me. Yeah. I, so it's kind of the lesson in fantasy football too, just because you get burned by someone one year, doesn't mean you you can't write them off forever. You kind of got to look at the next year, you know, in that year as a whole and really I think what happened with me is I basically took what he did over essentially the second half of the season. And I put too much, uh, I put too many eggs in that basket versus what he did through the first couple weeks of the season. you think about it, it was the COVID year. They brought in some competition for him midway through the year, just to kind of ease it up on him. But look at this off season. They haven't done much at all. They brought in Jarek McKinnon. Woohoo. Good for him. He's been good. So I'm not too worried about him. I think that's a ringing endorsement for Edwards Alaire. I think he's going to be the workhorse. And last year, think about it. When they drafted him, what's the first thing every everybody said? Andy Reid loves his workhorse back. Why are we not talking about that this year? Just because he went away from it one year and kind of split it up in the second half of the year. That's what he's going to be forever. I don't think so. I see Edwards Hilaire as an absolute steal right now. I'm looking at my profile now that I wrote RB17 in NFC, NFFC drafts. I'll take that every day of the week. I've pushed him up um, over on underdog. I actually took him as the 10th running back off the board. I took him with the second pick in the second round. So I'm, I'm very bullish on him. I'm putting way more stock in what he did in the first seven games last year versus what he did in the final, um, the games down the stretch. So I'm all the way in on Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the second round. See, I love that call. I absolutely love that call because I've, I've been, you know, pounding that same drum. Uh, you know, and, and I do think a, a lot of people tend to forget about that. They tend to forget about the fact that, you know, a lot of these kids, you know, coming into the, uh, into the league last year, they didn't have the, the, the full training camp experience. They didn't have OTAs. They didn't have the mini camp. They didn't have any of that stuff. Um, so having that this year, definitely a lot more valuable now spending an additional year, um, learning Andy Reed's system. 
I mean, that really, that's that's the huge part for me for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Let me ask you, though, because the only, like, I mean, if I were to throw a negative out there about him, because, listen, oh, by the way, I'm taking him in the exact same spot that you are. It's like early second round. When I'm picking on the back end like that, oh, my God. I think, uh, I, like, a bunch of best ball drafts, I ended up with, like, Austin Eckler and Clyde Edwards-Alaire as my, yep. <laughs> in a PPR format. Come mm. on. Yep. But. Let me ask you about the uh, the the size and the uh, the the durability um, with the short yardage situations because that was actually that was something that we've you know we we saw firsthand last year and again you know when he's when you know playing in college he's not you know called upon to be this you know bruising between the tackle goal line back so you know does he lose some of that work to Darrell Williams? That's that's the knock on him that I'll give you. You know, you look at it and early on in the year, I remember, obviously I remember this being a Houston fan, but Kansas City was in the red zone for most of that game, believe it or not. And it felt like they just force fed Edwards Hilaire. And I don't I know he scored in that game, but I know he got stuffed a couple of times at the goal line and it was kind of that way, you know, for most of the season. I'm not too worried about it this year. Maybe in the beginning of the year, Darrell Williams gets some looks there. Maybe they you know, give it to a fullback, maybe Mahomes take some carries. Who knows? Maybe they'll give it to Travis Kelsey and they'll run that stupid triple option with him at quarterback that they do sometimes, which <laughs> boggles my mind. But I'm not too worried about that. I think he'll be just fine. He should get enough work outside uh, the 20s that he should pay off. He'll, I think he'll be used more in the receiving game this year as well. So I think that's a boost. I'm not too worried about a perceived lack of work in the red zone to begin the year with time. You know, the cream always rises to the top. And I am good with him there. I think he'll be just fine in the red zone this year. I'm not worried about anybody else. Yeah, you know, you look the, the the passing game is a big point there because they lose Sammy Watkins. They don't bring anybody else in. I mean, you've got Nicole Hardman there um, as the uh, as the number two on the opposite side of Tyreek Hill. Um, and then it's still it's Demarcus Robinson. It's you know I'm I'm trying to remember who the uh, oh Byron Pringle. Like I mean you know so they didn't do anything there. So I agree with you. I think that the uh, the pass catching work, and maybe that's where where it really excels in the uh, inside the twenty inside the inside the red zone, um, because you can design a screen and with with his shiftiness and his speed, um, I think he can definitely get himself into the end zone. I'm wondering how many uh, you know fifteen to twenty yard touchdowns he ends up putting up this year because of that. I hope it's a lot because like you, I have many of the Eckler Edwards Hilaire combo, or if Zeke happened to you know fall a little bit, Zeke and Edwards Hilaire, but I just I RB seventeen is just criminal. I I expect that to go up as we kind of get into more drafts and people start seeing where these guys are going. I expect that to creep up a good bit. And if not, I'll enjoy the value every day of the week. Oh, all day, all day. When people start leaving you guys like that on a regular basis, it's definitely, I I love it. Um, it, You know, all it takes is for you to do it to them a couple of times, talk about it on the air, talk about on the podcast, whatever it might be. And then they start following suit. You know, it's like this, this time drafting early in best ball, uh, enables you to get that value because of all the, uh, I guess, recency bias is really what it all comes down to. So I love that. Kobe, you outed yourself here to the uh, the Annie Up audience that you're a, a Texans fan. Um, I mean, listen, tough offseason. I'm not even going to – I'm not going to ask you to weigh in on on Deshaun Watson's situation because uh, let's, let's face it, it's, it's, a, it's a gross, disgusting shitstorm, no matter which way you look at it, we're from the – from ownership down to uh, to Watson is himself, um, gross there. I don't think he plays a single down this year. I'd be very surprised if he does. I mean, what happens with the Texans here? Does it? I mean, Terod Taylor is the uh, is the QB. Does that mean Davis Mills or Mills Davis, whatever the dude's name is? Um, does he you know get a look this year? He has to because you think about it this way. Um, as much as it pains me to say, I'll be a realist. I don't think Houston's going to win the Super Bowl this year. I don't think they're going to make <laughs> oh, the playoffs. Come on, Colby. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have my five-dollar <laughs> bet on them to win the Super Bowl. I have that ticket placed. I mean, that's just a yearly thing. It just the amount changes year by year. So this year, I'm pretty confident in that they're not probably not going to fight for the AFC crown. I'm hoping they win a game or two. 
they're they're not they're not a very good team very good team so they actually have their first round pick next year which is actually exciting considering it feels feels like we haven't had one in years thanks to um the now alabama offensive coordinator um and brass making those decisions so davis mills is going to have to play because you have to assume that houston's going to be a best case scenario a top three pick um they're probably competing for number one with Detroit. So they're going to have to take a look, whether it's Spencer Rattler or any of those other quarterbacks like Sam Howell coming out, they're going to have to evaluate Davis Mills. Do they have a steal there in the third round from this year's draft, or are they taking a quarterback early on? Tyrod's going to start the first couple of games. Davis Mills has to come in and they have to get a lengthy look at him. Again, they're not competing for anything. They're going to let up a lot of points, probably not going to score a lot, unless Davis Mills kind of sets the world on fire. So I would be surprised if we don't see Davis Mills by, to be honest, week six or seven. I think he's coming in very early because, like I said, they have to take a look. You can't potentially miss on the Rattler and Howells of the world to you know, evaluate Davis Mills from Stanford in two games. You can't do it. Um, they, they have holes everywhere. So regardless of what player they take in the first round next year, he's going to fill some sort of hole on that team. Um, but you're going to have to take a quarterback early on. So they have to get a lengthy look at him to see if, if honestly, if he's worth anything. So what do you think of Davis Mills? I was, I was doing the fantasy alarm draft tracker um, during the draft mm-hmm. and third round came, which is also known as my first round. So I was super excited for the third round. And I got the tweet that they were taking Davis Mills before it went on the TV. And at first I was a little disappointed. Um, I was expecting them to go elsewhere, you know, maybe a cornerback considering they can't even stop a nosebleed in their secondary. But the more I kind of looked at him, Mills isn't bad. I think there's some potential that knocks on him experience coming out of college. He has a lengthy injury history, I believe with both knees, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he's not very mobile. So they, Houston went from the Matt Schaub's of the world, the completely immobile to the Deshaun Watson's of the world, where there's now a new element to the offense. Not saying that Mills is Matt Schaub, but he's definitely no Deshaun Watson. He's somewhere in the middle. He, I think he leans closer to Schaub than Watson in terms of sheer athleticism. So what I think of Mills, I think he can be okay. I just don't think he's going to have enough time to prove it um, to basically fend off Houston from taking Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell early on next year. So as much as I like him, he's not on the radar in any fantasy format. I mean, if you're like me, sure, you're going to take him in a best ball somewhere because you have to pick someone from your team. But <laughs> No, you don't, yeah. Colby. No, you yeah. don't. You have to. I can tell you, I I mean, there are players from Houston that I do like this year, believe it or not. And it, Mills is not exactly one of them. Um, so next year, I'm assuming a year from today, when you and I are talking again, we'll you'll probably be asking me, what do I think of insert rookie quarterback here again for Houston? <laughs> All right. Well, well, who do you like on this uh, on this Houston team? Because let's face it. The, yeah, the defense is not good. They're going to be playing from behind in a, in, a, in, a, in a lot of cases. So, I mean, you know what? Let's I, I'd love this. Let's actually let's break down Houston a little bit because I have some some feelings about the uh, the, the running back position here. And I'll just I'll float it to you and see what you think. David I... Johnson looked gassed last year. 100 percent gas could not get to the outside. Looked like crap. Absolute crap. Um they turn around here and they bring in um was it Philip Lindsay and they've got Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. Um my my prediction is that at some point they cut David Johnson and just say, you know what? <laughs> we fucked up, man. We should not have traded DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> for David Johnson. We're that's that's our bad. But during this rebuild, Philip Lindsay becomes the uh, the the early down back and the take it between the tackles kind of guy. Mark Ingram, who's a much better pass blocker, like all of a sudden becomes like the third down option here to help protect Terod and Mills or whoever's there under center. But then he, uh, you know, he's also a, a good solid pass catcher. We saw a lot of that from him uh, in New Orleans. Uh, am I just batshit crazy with that theory? No, I think. I think you're on the right path. I, in terms of cutting Johnson, I still don't know if they do it. I think the, I think the wound is still too recent that I think no matter what happens, they're going to keep him, um, which they should hear him. He looked gas last year and it's tough because he had, he actually had, if, if you're like me and you drafted him early and somehow you drafted enough other good players to kind of get past his crappy, you know, weeks two to about 13, 
his stats are very misleading because he tore apart Cincinnati at the end of the year and kind of padded his stats with some big games at the end of the year. So his stats are misleading. I think you're on the right path. For me, the running back to own is Philip Lindsay. Um, Houston loves to pay the running back position. They did it with Lamar Miller. They gave up not just some guy named DeAndre Hopkins to go get David Johnson and his contract. They gave Mark Ingram a little bit of money to come in. To me, believe it or not, I, I don't know if mine's crazier or if my idea is crazier than yours. I think next year, I, I honestly believe Houston's going to sign Philip Lindsay to a contract. Um, I, and I don't think it's going to be a year contract. I think they're going to give him two or three years. I think he's going to separate himself as the running back for that team. He's a good enough pass catcher. He can run uh, between the tackles. He can run outside the tackles. Houston's offensive line should take a step forward this year. They got rid of that crappy coach that they've kept for years now for no reason. And they brought in, I believe his name is James Campen, is the offensive line coach. And as much as much shit as everyone wants to give Houston for their offensive line, there is some talent there. They're They're strong on the tackles. And maybe inside, they're a little bit weaker than you'd expect, but they're they're definitely better than some other units in the league in the middle there. So Philip Lindsay's athleticism, I think, is going to play a lot. If Houston can somehow keep it close, that's a, that's a big if. That's, I'm talking capital letters, bold, underline, italicized, size 28 font. It, that's a massive if. And if the game's not out of hand by the first quarter, Lindsay's going to be the guy he's going to separate himself from those other three. And like I said, I think he's going to parlay himself into a multi-year contract with the Texans this off season. How many times have you taken him in best ball already? Well, I just started a couple of best balls in, earlier in the week, so I haven't quite gotten to Lindsay range, but uh-huh. if I had to tell you this, I would say in as many leagues as I'm going to have Edwards Alaire, I'm going to have Philip Lindsay. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, no fear. I mean, listen, I get it. If, if you think they're going to give him the touches, then he's going to get the touches. I mean, it, it, terrible pass blocker. Like that's, that's the thing that was really like kind of holding him, holding him up in Denver was his pass blocking was just atrocious. But I think as an early down back, I'm, I'm definitely in on it. And yeah, you can throw it to him, um, you know, every so often there so that the defense doesn't totally get what the game plan is. So yeah, listen, I've uh, I've done a couple of best balls and I've grabbed Lindsay and a few. And yeah, listen, yeah, I've got my theory. You've got yours. Interesting. You think they sign him uh, additionally after that? But you know, I mean, obviously, it's it's just going to depend on uh, on what we get out of him this season. So, all right. So you're in on Philip Lindsay here. You say if uh, if push comes to shove, Davis Mills, so that you can at least have a Texan uh, on your team. What about the wide receiving core? Um, obviously going from Deshaun Watson to Terod Taylor, not really the best of jumps. Yeah. Brandon cooks is still being priced at a spot where I think if he gets any higher, I'm probably going to have to be out. Um, just because what we've seen with Taylor in recent years is he doesn't orchestrate high octane offenses, especially through the air. He'll use his legs and they'll kind of move the chains methodically. So in redraft, Brandon Cooks is slipping a good bit where I'm into the point where I'm willing to buy. I think there's enough room for him to profit there. Again, garbage time fantasy points count the same as those close nail biters at the end of the fourth quarter. So if Houston's down 30, you know, a catch for 10 yards and a PPR is two points, no matter how you look at it. That's not changing. So that's still in play. Nico Collins is very interesting. He's a rookie very big, and he serves a purpose for that Houston offense that they haven't had since they traded that Hopkins guy for that Johnson guy. So he could be used in the red zone. Again, he's maybe in best ball because he'll pop off a couple of weeks, but he'll never be at least this season, a weekly starter for you. So if cooks moves up any higher, I'm probably going to have to be out on him just because I don't know if there's going to be enough volume there for him. But the other case can be made too is Houston stinks garbage time points count the same and they're going to have to throw it a lot. However, they won't do that till the end. Like the offensive coordinator has come out and said, we need to run the ball better. And he said that all last year. And by God, it's infuriating that he's like, we need to run better. We need to run more. Well, you don't run it well. And you <laughs> only effective. move the, and you only move it when you throw it. So why run it? Like it was just so infuriating last year until the end of the year when David Johnson decided that he was going to do something because his meaningful games were against Cincinnati and Kansas city, you know, weeks one and 16 or whatever they were. So yeah, receivers, if, if cooks moves up at all, I'm going to have to be out. You can take a dart uh, or a late round flyer on Nico Collins. But again, 
in a perfect world, you're probably not going to start Collins any given week. In best ball, I'm more inclined to take Collins. There's going to be a couple weeks where he's going to have those. You know, we know him all too well in best ball. That guy who cracks your lineup, who goes two catches for 14 yards with two touchdowns and somehow makes it in your lineup that week because everyone else is on a bye or or what have you. So, yeah, best ball, take a shot on Collins. And if Cooks moves up anymore, I, I, I just don't see myself buying in there. I love the Nico Collins call. I mean, more specifically because he's the only guy who's over 5'10 in that on that receiving floor. <laughs> right? I mean, I was like, you know, I was like looking at that. I was like, all right, so so Brandon Cooks, I know, is a small guy. I don't know, for for whatever reason, I thought uh Kiki Kute was a little taller than he than he really was, but I was like, oh shit, no, he's not. All right, so you know, looking at you know, you you need you need somebody in that vertical game. You just it, it's a must, and I so I like the Nico Collins call here, especially for like late best ball, um, because yeah, I agree with you. I think that he's uh, he's he's definitely intriguing. Um, as far as the rookies go, you know, how are you feeling about this rookie class uh, coming in? I mean, obviously, again, you did all the uh, the uh, the draft work for us over at FantasyAlarm.com. Um, I mean, obviously, I think the two the two most polarizing players are the players that everybody's talking about. And their draft values pushed up is crazy. Is um, Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts? Oh, the Pitt, never heard of the Pitts guy. Um, I don't think anyone's really oh, talking dude, it's about not, him. So you can't you I'm, can't fart on fantasy football Twitter without it coming out saying Pitts. Let me let me tell you this. Um, so four hours ago, actually, I finished Kyle Pitts's player profile, and my first sentence is. If you look anywhere online, especially fantasy football Twitter, Kyle Pitts and his zero receptions for zero yards and zero touchdowns in the National Football League have made him into the greatest tight end to ever play the game. <laughs> That's how we're leading it off. Let me. All right, we'll go in. We'll go in with Pitts. So <laughs> you'll see like a lot the, of. I like the moxie. I you'll see. You'll see a lot of people on Twitter, um, and and I mean, don't get me wrong. This guy is a physical specimen. I'm a Florida fan, and what he did in college was freakish and what he did running in spandex in a straight line freakish at his size the, the problem with Pitts and people who say they aren't drafting Pitts is I, I i truly don't think it's that they don't believe in his talent it's more so the price associated with him so we look in the profile i go through the past you know first round tight end since 2013 on average you know evan ingram's obviously the standout there um finishing fifth um at the tight end position back in his rookie year Kyle Pitts is currently going as the fourth tight end off the board. So you need this rookie at one of, other than quarterback, the hardest position to produce fantasy-wise, which is the tight end position. In his rookie year, he basically needs to have the best rookie season ever just to make value at where he's going. So unless he has a record-breaking performance, you're not getting any positive uh, return on your investment. And you look at a lot of people on Twitter, it's like, oh, I can't take Pitts at tight end four. I'll wait around and take TJ Hawkinson at tight end five. I'm kind of falling in that boat as well. It's there's, and let me get you another sentence here from this profile. And that way it's a tease to get people to, you know, take a look at it. But essentially with Kyle Pitts, the margin of error has become so small that he needs, to be honest, a record-breaking performance just to you know, provide an equal return on investment. So where you drafted him, you got the result that you needed and so forth. So unless he goes out there and has a Travis Kelsey type year, where are you gaining? Where is that return on investment? Don't get me wrong. If someone in your league, assuming it goes Kelsey and then Kittle Waller or Waller Kittle, however you go there, if someone wants to push up Hawkinson over Pitts, maybe even Hawkinson and Mark Andrews over Kyle Pitts, I'll gladly jump in on Kyle Pitts there. Um, it's just it's very hard to take him at tight end four, knowing he hasn't played a snap in the National Football League yet. And this position has been so tough for rookies to produce um, from day one. Now, with that being said, you do a lot of best ball drafts. FOMO is a very real thing, fear of missing out. So have I taken him at tight end four? I have. Have I also taken Hawkinson over him? I have. Have I taken Mark Andrews over him? I have as well. So I'm I'm still kind of on the fence with Kyle Pitts. It's just it's very hard to make the case at tight end four, considering he hasn't played a snap in the National Football League, and this position is so hard for rookies. I mean, it's no different than what we dealt with with Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, last exactly. year, right? Like as soon as Damian Williams opted out, uh, immediately everyone was all in on Edwards-Alaire um, as a you know as a as a first round pick. And I mean, listen, I saw him I saw him go as high as fourth overall. 
um, you know, and and kind of like floated in around his ADP was somewhere between like eight and ten for for months, you know, on on that. And I think that's, I mean, that's that's the same thing that we're getting with Kyle Pitts right now. I agree with you completely. Um, it's going to be nearly impossible to get him to return uh, that fair value. I mean, he has to produce like Kelsey, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you look at Evan Ingram that year. 64 grabs, 115 targets, 722 yards, six touchdowns. That was the tight end five um, that year. It's the position is just so tough. Now to Pitts' credit, not many rookies tight, not many rookie tight ends get to come in with the situation that he is. Uh, Evan Ingram's rookie year, he was, you know, to be fair about it, he was the only receiver that was worth anything that year for that team. So they force fed him. And you look at Atlanta. So they trade Julio Jones. So now, you know a billion targets have become available. Calvin Ridley's still there, but you know, Pitts is definitely that clear cut number two. Now, Arthur Smith comes from Tennessee where he loved, loved his athletic tight end and John Smith. Smith just couldn't get the volume because when you have, you know, a freight train at running back, obviously you give him 400 touches, nearly 400 touches in back-to-back years. So, and Smith already came out and said, they're going to throw the ball more. So, you know, you have that going for him. And even the offensive coordinator there now, Dave Ragone, Mm-hmm. You know, who's not that great. I'm not a fan of Ragon. Yeah. And and he might just have, you know, the 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 nameplate that says offensive coordinator, but really it's Arthur Smith who's putting everything together. It's like this is my offense, but I'm just gonna let you be the offensive coordinator essentially. Um, he comes from Chicago. They like to use the tight ends. I mentioned that with Cole Komet and his player profile. I mean, Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet got a half decent number of targets last year between the two of them. So there's a lot going for Pitts. It's just it's it's super hard, especially with the likes. Like I'm huge TJ Hawkinson fan this year, so it's very tough to be like, I can wait around and get Hawkinson. You know, I understand Pitts, and I'm I'm gonna have my shares of Pitts because, like I said, FOMO is a very real thing. Um, <laughs> like it's you don't want to miss that in case the improbable happens. And I mention that over and over again is if the improbable happens, it's just it, it's it's very tough to say you're banking on you know a record breaking performance from him just to meet value. It's like when you and I debated Byron Buxton, where you were taking it or not where you were, where I was taking him, you know, I basically needed him to stay healthy, hit 20 home runs and steal, you know, 15 bases just to meet value. And I'll, I'll stick by God, he would do it. If he would have stayed healthy this year, I, I saw your tweet saying it's something with this guy all the time. So I saw it. I, I've, had it a, I've, dude, I've had a couple of tweets here, man. I just, <laughs> all I said, listen, like here's the, here's the funny thing because you know what? I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I like fighting with Met fans, you know, about, you know, Jacob deGrom, uh, you know, and the whole thing. And I'm, I'm you know, I, I said, I don't know if you if you caught buzz cuts on Fantasy Alarm, but I basically said, I was like, listen, if you're worried about Jacob deGrom, if you believe that where there's smoke, there's fire. OK, the best thing that happened was that Jacob deGrom threw those five innings and they just they pinch it for him and pulled him out. It was a short double header. It immediately allowed you to trade deGrom at full value. Like now you don't you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to, you know, you know, somebody's gonna be like, oh well, you know, he came out of those games, blah, blah. Yes, he did. But you know what? Then he came right back and he threw a great game. And you know what? And deGrom will have a great outing next week also. Like this all allows you to trade him at full at full value, you know, whether that's, you know, you're getting Tatis for him, whether somebody's going to be like, I'll give you, you know, Otani and Matt Olson, whatever the case may be, you're you're able to to get that. And people are just like, they're like, oh, you're bullshit. You're an idiot and you're a moron. And, you know, you, you don't trade DeGrom. And I'm like, it's not reality. This isn't about the Mets trading DeGrom. This is about fantasy and this is about striking while the iron is hot. And I said this in late April um, about Byron Buxton. And listen, you brought you brought him up, Colby. You brought him up. Hey, no, you tweeted about him. So I did tweet him, but no, I mean you just brought him up now. I wasn't oh, even gonna for sure. talk. I wasn't even gonna talk baseball. Mm. Now, now you're like you're forcing my hand here, Colby. So I said it in late April, early May. I said trade Byron Buxton right now. Like, what is it about this year that this is the year he stays healthy? The guy goes all out on defense, right? Bangs his ass up against the wall, makes diving grabs. He's just, you know, the dude's a gamer. He's got phenomenal talent. 
but trade him right now while his value as it is at its peak because that first time that he lands on the IL or misses a couple of games, his immediate his value is immediately descending, and you're you're not going to be able to trade him for anything. And look at the situation now. I had to. I I had to take the victory lap because people were so douchey about. And I you know I mean it. I mean like people were so douchey about not trading Byron Buxton. And you know the, the injury happened, and I tweeted something and. Um, oh, who was it? I think it was Brad Johnson, maybe from Fangraphs, got all pissed at me for you know, quote, taking a victory lap at this point in time. But listen, dude, it's about value and it's about you know getting that value out of it. And you know, it was just you, you blew it with Buxton, not you, Colby. Well, you, Colby, well, did. Yeah, but I mean, everybody else that that's still holding the bag here. Um, when the bottom fell out, that's that's what's happening. Ooh. So are you are you, so are you saying Buxton Twitter is worse than Kyle Pitts Twitter? Is that what I'm gathering? Ooh, ooh, no. See, that's the thing because those who are truthing on Byron Buxton, they you know they're they still seem to have that sensibility of not drafting him in like the fourth round, right? Like nobody nobody was taking him that high. Because there's always the injury, you know, potential there. With Kyle Pitts, yeah, this is like, you know, please, in a tight end premium league, I would not be surprised to see Kyle Pitts go uh, late first, early second round. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he, it'll be interesting to see in a tight end premium league, I would be very curious if there's a draft out there, and I'm sure there is, because um, when I was looking through, um, some of the ADP data, NFFC, there was one on a minimum pick that Antonio Gibson was number one overall. So, you know, uh, anything can really happen. I'd be curious if there's a draft out there where someone took pits over uh, one of the big three at the tight end position. I'm sure there is. I think putting him above, you can't put him above Kelsey, no matter what. I don't, whatever, whatever argument you have, it's not good enough to put it above Travis Kelsey. If you can do it with Darren Waller or George Kittle, I'd love to listen. But I, I just you can't do it. There's I, well, I won't do it. Let me say it that way. Yeah, I won't do it either. I mean, listen, I've got I've got Pitts ranked um, sixth, seventh, maybe. I've because mm-hmm. I've got you know I've got Kelsey Waller, Kittle, um, Hawkinson, and Andrews as the top five. So Pitts might fall in there at uh, at number six. I can't. I'm not even looking at my rankings on. Uh, on fantasy alarm, but I mean, that's, that's kind of where he's at and where, you know, just given the state of the position and what we know about the offense, you know what, here's actually, this is the question I, I, I meant to ask you before, um, because you were, you were talking about Arthur Smith and the, the offense that he's running and what he did with his, uh, you know, with the tight end position back in, in Tennessee, does Hayden Hurst have any value on this team whatsoever? If you think about the fact that maybe they run, uh, you know, a lot more 12 personnel, run the two tight end sets, um, or even just in single, you know, single tight end sets and 11 personnel, you, you put pits into the slot and you have Hayden Hurst as the tight end. Does he still have value for you or are you just <clears throat> tapping out? I, so when it comes to Hurst in redraft, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. In best ball, it's something I'm considering taking Hurst late because, I mean, if anything happens to Kyle Pitts, Hurst jumps back in. He wasn't horrible last year, 56 catches for 571 yards and six scores. My biggest knock on Hurst is that, you know, we talked him up a lot last year. We as in the entire community as a whole was, you know, it was a good situation for him. He was going to be the guy. And Matt Ryan averaged just 6.4 yards per attempt throwing to him. Um, and in terms of the tight end position overall, it was just 25th best in the league. So Matt Ryan didn't exactly see him as a downfield threat. Again, different offensive scheme. I get that. He's They're going to play 12 personnel. He's going to be probably in line. And when you look at some of his uh, alignment, the more the farther he gets away from the quarterback, the less he was there. So he had more snaps in line than he did in the slot, but he had more snaps in the slot than he did out wide. Whereas Kyle Pitts... I think he's going to be a little bit reversed. I think he's going to have some in line and then he'll definitely have more out wide than he will in the slot. So Hurst is still going to be in some advantageous spots in redraft. He's not going to be enough to be a weekly starter in best ball formats though. I think you take a dive late because he's basically free. It doesn't cost you anything. The sites are almost begging you to take him. 
And I hope all the energy that goes into liking Kyle Pitts comes back. If, you know, if, if anything were to happen to him and he were to miss some time, Hayden Hurst is going to come in and I can already foresee it. Um, uh, Coop does a great job with all the tight end stuff for us here at fantasy alarm. And I can see mid season, if anything were to happen to Pitts, any, any DFS or tight end article talking, it's going to be big on Hayden Hurst. So in best ball, I'm definitely going to be invested late. Cause like I said, he's free. And if anything were to happen to Pitts, he walks right back into the role that he had last year. And he showed that at the very least he's serviceable. Interesting. Very, I'm on the fence. I'm still tilting towards not no interest in Hayden Hurst, but you know, you've made a, a considerably decent argument. Even Coop made a, a good argument when I had him here on the, uh, on the podcast earlier this week as well. So folks, give him a follow on Twitter. It's at Colby R Conway, C O L B Y R C O N W A Y. He's doing some amazing work for the uh, fantasy alarm NFL draft guide, which you guys can still get fantasyalarm.com slash draft. Now use the promo code draft. Now take 20% off. Uh, on that draft guide, the player profiles were all, you know, already worth the price of admission uh, right there. Um, overvalued players, players maybe that he's looking to avoid even more so. I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick time out so we can pay a couple of bills. On the other side, Colby Conway shares potential fantasy busts. All right, Colby. So the lights get to stay on. We get to keep recording this podcast. Big shout out to SiriusXM for uh, helping us pay these bills. Uh, let's talk about it because I, I love the I, listen. I love the mentality. Like that's the thing. And you know, this is something I talked about with with Coop as well. You understand the game, like you understand football. You understand the X's and O's. And I think a lot of a lot of fantasy analysts don't really have that wherewithal. I had to learn it when I you know first started with Fantasy Alarm. Um, you know, I, because I never played football growing up. So I was looking at it, you know, from a different sort of angle. Um, Jeff Manns taught me to look at the game itself and then do the fantasy spin off of that. And it's, you know, obviously, uh, increased the, uh, the level of my analysis on football, um, over the years, you have that same mentality. You break it down game first, and then you hit the fantasy aspect afterwards. And that's what I love, man. Did you play growing up? I did not. Um, if, if I were to go back and do it again, I would. Um, I was always baseball and basketball. But fortunately, my um, best friends through high school had played football. So I saw them play. They kind of talked to me about it. Um, and then in college, after I was done playing baseball and I transferred, um, my roommate played college football. So we would explain stuff. And I mean, it goes as back as like we play games of Madden and he would know what defense I'm in uh, before I ran the play. And I was like, I don't know how you know that. And he was like explaining it to me. So don't get me wrong. There are some things on the defensive side I can't explain. I can't tell you certain things. I know it from the offensive side. He was a wide receiver. So he explained a lot of stuff to me. And um, when he would break down rookie receivers coming in to the league, he would kind of tell me what to look for or why he liked um, certain players. But now I'm in a dynasty, dynasty league with him. So I can't really use his advice because he beats me to the punch. So <laughs> nope, never played, but uh, have a good enough understanding of it. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's incredibly important. I think that that is what helps teach the process of fantasy. We're not just giving you names. We're actually teaching you, like we're not spoon feeding you, um, you know, that kind of work. I mean, we're giving you, you know, we're giving you the tools to analyze this game uh, yourself. So, um, so between that and the, and the value drafting, which, which I'm all in on, um, I asked you earlier, we were talking rookies, and I said something about Jamar Chase. Now, here's a guy who is jumping up uh, ADP draft boards uh, significantly as well. Um, is that this a guy who gets to a point where it's too much that, you, uh, that you, you're, you're not in on him? You enjoy where, tra where Jamar Chase is going right now? I'm not too upset with where it is. I think it's... I think fair is the right word. Let me say it this way. Where he's currently going, I'm not pushing him up any higher than that. There are a decent amount of mouths to feed in Cincinnati uh, with you know the likes of T. Higgins, who's actually going before Jamar Chase by um, ADP data. But for me, don't get me wrong, the young, the young, very young, talented guys are very um, endearing 
to the fantasy community and there's a lot of potential with them. I just look at the some of the ADP data and I just don't know how you can sell me of Tyler Boyd going around and a half later than both T Higgins and Jamar Chase. Again, if that comes back to value drafting, so be it. But he was the he was a guy for Burrow last year, if not the guy. And Cincinnati, by drafting Jamar Chase instead of uh, an offensive tackle in the first round, they made the commitment and said, we're going to throw this football and we're going to hope Joe Burrow doesn't get killed again. That's exactly what they said. You know, they came out, oh, you know, we took Jamar Chase, great talent, you know, all this good stuff. The matter of fact is, is they're, they're every, every night, especially on Sunday, they're sitting there praying, please do not let Joe Burrow get hit because we neglected offensive tackle early in that draft. So I like where Chase is going, but to be honest, I guess it's that value drafter in me. I'll let someone else take Jamar Chase. I'll take Tyler Boyd around and a half later. He killed it out of the slot last year. Adding Jamar Chase, it doesn't really affect Boyd that much. He'll play out wide. Boyd Boyd is so locked in in the slot that it's not even funny where he's going. It's it's an absolute steal. Look at some of the guys around him. You know, DJ Chark is going a little bit before Boyd. Odell Beckham, there's more you know targets there. Cortland Sutton. <laughs> Good luck with the quarterback there. Maybe he'll throw up more than five yards. And if it's Dude, Jamar, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, is going <laughs> Denver. you know, Aaron Rodgers is going dead. Uh, we'll, we'll see what, if that's the case, then, then a lot of these Denver receivers become criminally underpriced, but some, <laughs> some of the guys around Boyd, I, I, it's hard for me to get behind, especially in best ball. I'm fine with taking, you know, chase considering I'm doing probably like 30 of them. So I'm okay with getting a couple shares there. But I think when push comes to sub, like when we go to the Kings classic here in August, Instead of taking Chase, I I can foresee myself waiting around and a half and taking Tyler Boyd. No knock on Chase. I guess, like I said, it's the value drafter in me. Yeah. See, I'm I, I kind of see it a little bit differently, just in the sense that um, I worry about Tyler Boyd because I think I think Jamar Chase had uh, not Jam- um, Joe Burrow developed a really nice rapport with T Higgins, mm-hmm. and 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 I feel like. This spread offense that they that they consistently sit in and uh, you know and and they're running with no no nobody in the backfield um, and just putting everybody on the line. I feel like Burrow just wants to like just college football all over again, man, and just run and gun. And he's you know looking downfield a lot more. You know, rookie quarterbacks tend to lean on the tight end and the slot receivers early on, and I feel like we saw a lot of that last year. I just worried that, you know, Higgins might have gotten a little bit more attention as the year waned on. And then, I mean, let's face it, um, you've seen what Wedding Crashers, right? Of course. All right. So when Isla Fisher is asking uh, her dad if, uh, you know, if uh, if he can, you know, uh, if, if uh, what, what's his face, if Jeremy can, can come with them to the uh, to their house and she's like stomping her feet and holding her breath and. <laughs> fingers in her ears. Like, I feel like that was Joe Burrow uh, with the Cincinnati brass trying to get Jamar chase there. So I just feel like between Higgins and chase, the dude's just going to want to throw the ball excessively. And that's the thing, their defense. I don't think it's much improved. So you have to think they're going to throw it enough. And yes, I, you're right. He did. He did develop a nice little rapport with T Higgins. Ultimately, you look at some of the numbers from last year, you know, Boyd, Two and a half percent drop rate, forty-two point nine percent contested catch rate. Both of them bested T Higgins. Don't get me wrong. I love I love T I love T Higgins coming out of the draft, um, and I think he fell to a great spot. Jamar Chase now does as well. I just if if what you're saying is true, and I again agree with you that they're going to throw it a ton because I think they're going to have to because I don't like their defense that much, and their divi- the other teams in their division can put up some points. They're going to throw it a bunch. I think there's enough to go around. And Tyler Boyd has such a secure role in that offense. I just, I, again, where he's going, I think, I think it's too underpriced. Yeah, no, I hear you. I definitely hear you. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to, to watch and see, like I've I've always been a huge Tyler Boyd fan. Huge Mm -hmm. dude. Dude has made me mad money in, uh, in DFS. (laughs) It's crazy how like everybody, you know, it's like every single time you take Tyler Boyd, he's like, 2.3% 2.3% owned. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that means 80 yards and a touchdown. Appreciate that very much. Um, yeah, my my concern obviously is also it's it's based around, yeah, they're gonna be throwing a lot. Yeah, he's gonna be involved in the passing attack. Does he just, you know, does is he just become like like a modern day Muhammad Sanu, where it's like third and whatever, you're throwing it his way, but the hero ball always goes to Ocho Cinco. 
right? So the hero ball goes to Higgins and to Chase. Uh, but yeah, when we do need to make, you know, to to move that. That's why I think Tyler Boyd actually in the Scott Fishbowl, because you do get points for first downs. I think there that's where he becomes a really interesting value pick. Yeah, and the thing with Higgins too, especially when you think about it in the red zone, like Higgins had six touchdowns on 11 targets in the red zone last year. So he caught nine of 11, six of them went for touchdowns. You don't look at it, Boyd had more targets than Higgins did in the red zone. Now he only caught half of them and only scored three touchdowns. So Boyd's going to be the chain mover and I get it. He's not going to be the flashy pick. He's not going to be the sexy pick. You'll watch the first couple of weeks and Jamar Chase will make some freaky play. Higgins will make a one-handed catch in the corner of the end zone, tap his feet. Cincinnati probably loses 37 to 34. At the end of the day, you look and it's like, I'll be damned. Tyler Boyd had nine catches for 82 yards and maybe he finds the end zone and PPR. Hey, you can get me 17 points a week in PBR. I'll take it. So Boyd's not the sexy pick. He's not the flashy pick. But I think it's going to be one of those situations where at the end of the year, you look and it's like, damn, he was pretty good this year. And I profited off him. So everyone's a winner, I guess. Are you going to have the unsexiest roster in fantasy football this year? Oh, I mean, probably. I mean, come on. Who's a, Let's be who's, a flashy, who's a flashy player that you're into? Uh, there's more flashy players that I'm not into, to be honest. So I, think I know, the there, I, I know. that's why I'm saying you're going to have the unsexiest, uh, you know, fantasy team around. I, It'll still be productive. It's just not going to be sexy. So I, I think you're right, because I'm I'm looking here. I just made a pick in one of these uh, best balls um, over on underdog and just like picking a random one here and looking at my team um, like I have Saquon. I have. Uh, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, um, this other one, Christian McCaffrey, D Hop, Justin Jefferson, Robert Woods. Like, I guess I'm just on these guys who had good years, and I think I'll do it again. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm I've always been a conservative drafter, so I think that's. I don't think I have to tell you that based on everything that we're talking about here. Um, but yeah, m- most of these flashy guys, these ones that everyone gets enamored with, I'm kind of out on. So there's not a single flashy guy that you like. There's not somebody out there that, you know, just turns everybody's heads that you're like, yeah, you know, I, I can get behind that. Oof. Um, oof, that's tough. I mean, my opinions are so strong, usually in like the the hatred, like a lot of people like Jalen Hurts. I'm completely out on Jalen Hurts. I will not have any of him. Um, yeah. Oh, I agree with you on that year. one too. Yeah, I, don't even, I, think, I don't even consider him a sexy pick. That's like, <laughs> that's, that's butt ugly. Sorry. Yeah. I know a lot of people, a lot of people are pushing him up and there's um, a lot to like with him, but nope, not for me. I guess, honestly, the flashiest guy that I kind of like is CD lamb. I think he's my favorite of the three Dallas receivers. Um, well, yeah, the three, the three Dallas receivers and Dalton Schultz is there. I'm not going to count him. He's a tight end. So yeah, I guess Lamb is probably the flashiest player that I like that a lot of people are enamored by. Um, and even him, I won't push him up. I always find myself, if it comes to CeeDee Lamb or Robert Woods, I've been taking Robert Woods every single time. Again, there it is, the conservative drafter going for the unsexy team, but I'll take the production that I know I'm going to get. So unsexy, dude. What's going to happen at the Kings Classic when like they're looking for, for somebody to interview and then you know they're like, oh yeah, there's... There's Colby's team. <sighs> because let, let don't forget, man, because I'm actually not going to be able to uh, make the Kings classic um, that you get your, your spot in the auction back. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll have to see. I mean, I, Hey, a lot of times in auction though, those flashy players get overpriced and the values falls. So I'm actually really excited for the, the auction draft um, just because some of those guys like you know, maybe Clyde Edwards, Alaire slips a little bit because someone wants to pay up for Najee Harris versus him. Um, actually, now that we talk about it, actually Najee Harris is probably the flashy one that I really like now that, ah, now that, I, now that I just mentioned oh. that it's that's, that's chalky. It's such a great spot. He's going to get used a ton. Um, I don't want to say shades of Le'Veon Bell because Harris is a little bit of a different player than him, but he's going to get, a massive workload. And honestly, some of the people who took Clyde Edwards Hilaire very early last year and got burned by that rookie running back who was supposed to be the RB one by a thousand points over everyone else. Cause it was such a good spot. If they're burned by him, I'll take Harris. I think he's in a great spot. And I I'm sure a lot of people said the same thing about CEH last year, but I don't know how he doesn't perform as an RB one this year. Um, I'm not really sure how he doesn't perform like an RB one either considering, I mean, what else is there? 
<laughs> right. I mean, there's some guys there that'll they'll get a couple touches, but there's nothing to be scared of. If it, here's the thing, if you're worried about any of the Pittsburgh running backs significantly poaching from Najee Harris, I want to be in a league with you because I have a great chance of winning. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll throw down the dad jokes about the Pittsburgh backfield that you've got Benny Smell and Anthony McFartland, right? Like go. those guys are going to be better than Najee Harris. It's just, it's highly unlikely, or highly. even a, even a threat to him. Like if like that's the thing. If you think he's a threat to Najee Harris, what's your email? Let's let's get in the league together. Let's, <laughs> let's have let's have a little fun. Let's do it right now. Let's get into this. Yeah, yeah let's, I'll, I'll send you an invite right now. The second you get me your information, it's out to you. All right. Well, Colby, dude, it's been great getting a chance to chat with you here. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are, you know, very much enjoying the dialogue. You got to, guys, follow Colby on Twitter, at Colby R. Conway. Uh, check it out over in the Fantasy Alarm Draft Guide. Are you? Uh, did you pick up other articles, or are you just sitting on the player profiles this year? No, I picked up two other ones. Um, let me see. I have them written here that I took. I know one of them was the um, understanding statistics article uh -huh. that'll come out mid-July. And the other, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have wrote this one. The other one is navigating ADP, which you might as well just have changed to how to draft for value because that's exactly what it's going to turn into. So, yep, those two are coming out mid-July. Love it. Absolutely love it. Folks, Colby Conway, you can find his work all over fantasyalarm.com. You can find him his, his work on dfsalarm.com as well. Um, and get yourselves a copy of the NFL Draft Guide. It's fantasyalarm.com slash draft now. Promo code draft now. Get you 20% off, literally under $16, which is criminal in my eyes, but I got outvoted on the uh, on the partners as to how much we should be charging for this. I, I fuck that man, forty bucks for this shit, man. I'm I'm working my ass off. You guys are working your asses off for it. Yet here it is coming under sixteen dollars. Uh, get yourself some action over there again. Follow Colby on Twitter. Check out the Kings Classic when that those drafts happen uh, coming up in uh, in August. Those are uh, all from the. Uh, from the, the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Um, it's a great thing to be in. Colby, you got, by the way, big shoes to fill, man. Um, I uh, I lost in the, the championship game to Corey Parson in the uh, in the auction league this year. Yeah, I know one of them. One of them, you beat me to get to the finals, and the other one, my other, I think that was the auction. My team stunk, uh, and or vice versa. Actually, no, I think that one was the one where you beat me. In the semifinals, because one of us was going, and then you beat me, and then wanted Derrick Henry from me, oh, even though it was too late. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I forgot, yep. I forgot. Yep, it was one of us. But yeah, it'll be the King's class will be a lot of fun if you know if anyone out there is going. Um, I'll be there as well as the expo um, on the Sunday, which is the day after the King's Classic drafts. I'll be there as well. So hopefully, see some of uh, y'all out there. That would be absolutely amazing. Get a chance to sit and hang out with Colby Conway. Talk a little football, make fun of the Texans, whatever you got to do. Um, that's going to do it for us here at Anti-Up. Again, big thanks to Colby Conway for taking the time to join us. Um, we'll catch you on the next episode. Oh, baby, I got a surprise for you guys out there. We're going non-sports, sort of. We're going to talk some fantasy football, but Ari Fink from Fish Radio, he's going to be joining us uh on the uh on the next episode so stick around lots to do there i'm howard bender for colby conway of fantasy alarm we'll catch you next time